You're listening to Firm Up, the fermented food podcast, where we get together every week to discuss anything and everything fermented. We're your hosts, Brandon and Allison, and this week we have special guest Amanda Pfeiffer in from Fickle.com. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. You were on the show a little over a year ago now. And I guess to sum up for anyone, you kind of, you write a blog on fermentation, fickle.com. You do workshops on fermentation and you eat a lot of fermented foods. Am I missing anything there? Uh, no, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, I have a couple of projects that are in the works right now, but I think you've gotten to the heart of how I spend my fermentation time. So, and it seems like you do spend a decent amount of time with fermentation, correct? Yes, that would be very accurate. <laughs> and, and I guess I'm just kind of curious. First, I guess, give us a little uh, intro to Fickle for anyone that hasn't listened to the episode. But even better yet, everyone should just stop and go back to the episode that you were in. And that episode link will be in the show notes. Uh, I think everyone should just stop and go listen to that. And then now back to real time. This, this Fickle website, how long have you been doing this now? I started it in January of 2012, um, and I didn't tell anybody about it until October of 2012. I mean, I did tell people, but I like didn't want them to see my horrible photos, and I was still at a .dot WordPress, um, you know, URL and all that stuff. But in October, um, my web designer slash husband kindly upgraded me to a real URL. And I just accepted the fact that my photos were terrible. And hopefully people would want to read what I was writing anyway. Um, so truly fermentation related blogging started January 2012. People actually looked at it in October of 2012. And then so that pretty much puts it because it was like June of 2013 that you were on the show this last time. So you'd been doing it for maybe like almost a year and a half at that point. Mm-hmm. What's changed in this last year now that it's like about two and a half years? I have to say, it's crazy. Um, I listened to the old podcast today, and I felt like at the point when we were talking that I had, you know, really come a long way on my journey, and I felt very, you know, knowledgeable in my ferment pursuits and all of those things. And I, I didn't really think a lot had changed since then until I listened to it. And then I was like, whoa, like I was just starting to do things that way. And it seems like so much has changed in my practice and kind of the intensity of my practice and the rules that I apply for myself. And I guess it's, yeah, it's really only been like a little over a year since then, but it's crazy to think that that much has changed in that time. Yeah, because that's why I really wanted you to come back on the show because it seems just like, I mean, for one, you have a, a uh, new site design, even more like more recent than that first one that your husband did. Um, so I think we should jump into that soon too. But then you're, it seems like you're just doing a lot of workshops. Is that is that true, or is that just the the way it looks like online? Um, I, the site redesign definitely was huge um, for me. But the workshops, I think, it's been pretty much a steady clip. Really, like even before I was telling people about my blog, I was able to do workshops because I think there's just such a hunger, no pun intended, for fermented food knowledge and information. And so it was really easy right from the start for me to sell workshops out. Um, I was charging like no money. I was charging like $5 and totally losing money on my kimchi workshops. Um, So I'm sure that didn't hurt. But yeah, I'm, so it has been a steady clip. I think what's changed is kind of the style and that I'm able to do things a little bit more collaboratively. Um, and you know, I'm doing weird things. I'm doing workshops at my house and I'm going to farms and I'm doing all kinds of fun stuff like that. 
Um, so in that respect, it has changed a little bit. Can we go off on a little tangent about this one where you're doing it at your house? Because I saw that and I thought that sounds like a great casual way to learn. But what's your concept behind that? So the idea is wine and brine. So basically, I provide a lot of fermented snacks. The wine is the only thing that's not really local. Um, I get bread from, I'm very biased here, but I honestly think this is true, the world's best bakery um, I get, which is locally in Philly, it's um, High Street on Market. It's actually a restaurant with a bread baker there. Um, and I get cheese from local creameries. Um, I make a ton of different pickles. Sometimes I even get stuff that isn't fermented from local canners. Um, and then I just have people come over and it's kind of like a cocktail party. Um, they're always really small groups between six and 10 people. And we eat and stuff and chat. And then while people are eating, I talk a little bit about the process of what we're going to make and the science behind it. And then we all make our whatever the thing is that we're making. Um, So I don't even know what the one in August is going to be yet because uh, I actually base these on when the cleaning lady is coming to my house. (laughs) Um, And we, we have to figure out our dates for August. So once that's decided, then I will have the new thing on the agenda. And it's always based on, you know, what's in at the farmer's market at that given moment. Can you give give us an example of what you've done in previous wine and brine classes? Sure. Um, Well, the last one we did was um, cucumber pickles. And I was so excited to be able to do that in that setting because I feel like cucumber pickles are like the hardest vegetable to ferment. And everybody thinks because it's that's the classic pickle, like, oh, well, that's the thing I'll start with. But I think they are actually way more complicated than other vegetables. So um, I think doing it in a smaller setting gave me a lot of time to really just talk people through because I tend to when I do larger workshops, I tend to do more than one thing. We wouldn't just do a pickled cucumber. We would do, you know, sourdough bread and yogurt and a vegetable ferment or something along those lines. So doing the smaller classes kind of lets me dig a little bit deeper. So I'm hoping to do kind of slightly more advanced topics at those workshops, just because we do have the time to go in depth. And um, the last one is just so fantastic for me because people asked all these questions, like, and people always ask a lot of questions, but it just kind of felt different. We had time to really dig deep on a lot of those topics. And, you know, plus when there was weird things I wanted to show people that I hadn't thought of, I was like, oh, excuse me, let me just go to my fridge and grab that weird jar of something out of the back so you guys can all taste it. So I'm, I'm enjoying the concept. It's definitely strange to invite a whole bunch of strangers into your house, but I, so far so good. So I'm going to keep it going. That's and awesome. not get murdered is my goal. <laughs> well, as long as you don't just have one person in attendance, you're probably pretty safe. I would think as long as you have a group, it's that community <laughs> exactly. safety net. Exactly. And so are you doing uh, so? Okay. So there's, there's wine and brine and are there any other kinds of things that you're kind of taking in these different directions or for the rest, is it kind of all of that clip where you just keep doing the same kind of workshops that you've been doing and evolving them slowly over time? Like, is this the most divergent of the kinds of workshops you do? For classes, yeah, I think so. I'm still doing the kinds of classes where I, you know, work with other organizations. Um, there's a great organization in Philly called Fair Food that um, not only provides a year-round indoor farmers market, but also um, connects restaurants with local farms and local farm products. And they're just doing amazing work. Um, and they recently started doing workshops last year, I guess, with artisan food makers. Um, so I do workshops through them. I do workshops with an urban farm called Greens Grow. Um, there's just a lot of really great organizations that are, you know, seeing the benefit of offering fermentation classes. So I get to work with them. 
Um, and I've learned over the years that the way that I used to do it, where I would be like, I want people to get a lot of value. So I'm going to do everything I can think of in two hours. Um, that that actually is kind of counterproductive. I think doing fewer things in, you know, a more in-depth way actually leads to more people continuing the process after the fact. And people don't need to have go home with 10 cultures to feel like they've gotten value out of a class. <laughs> um, oh, you're, you're not, you're not kidding. You, uh, you really, uh, you really were spreading people and like trying a lot of different things in the same workshop. Is that what you mean? Like you were yeah. just telling them like how to make all of those things. More like we would do th- usually three to four. Um, but I mean, we're talking about anything from like country wine to kimchi and sourdough and yogurt in one workshop, which I just think is way, you know, it's fine for maybe a more advanced crowd who already has the like basic understanding of what fermentation is. But for a beginning crowd, I just think it's got to be so overwhelming in retrospect. Um, so I'm not doing classes like that anymore. Um, and it's been fine. I have, I, I just have that weird I don't know, anxiety or something that people aren't going to feel like they're getting their money's worth. So um, I, that's gone. I don't have that anymore. That's what used to happen. And that's why I had to give everybody 15 cultures to go home with to feel like they were doing well in class. Maybe I, I need to learn something from you because I that's that's something I've kind of been challenged with. Like I'm trying to think of different ways of making these things more valuable. Uh, like it just make so people are really getting something from it. And like I've been like stuck on this kimchi pizza workshop thing that I've been trying to do so I can do uh, sourdough fermentation, uh, mozzarella uh, making, and kimchi. But that's then awesome. it's like becomes one of those. How does it logistically actually work? Like, as in, like, that's a lot for people to try and take in. Maybe I can split it out into multiple sessions, but then are people going to come to all of them? And can I, is it okay if they don't come to all of them? There are just a lot of things that come with, I feel like sometimes just the, the simple basic workshops that go in depth, I think are very valuable. And I forget that. Uh, I totally agree with that. I I actually had that realization while I was taking another class. And it was a thing where I was looking and it was it was a fantastic class. But it was one thing. And it was like one really small thing. And she almost like repeated herself 15 times about the same thing. And it wasn't even really hands on. And people were just going crazy. They were loving it. And I was like, oh, they, they still feel like they're getting value. It's like, I don't, the only thing I have to offer isn't quantity. It's also good information and a skill set. Um, and that was very enlightening for me. And I, that's when I changed my process. That was last year at the end of the summer. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm doing this completely differently now. Um, and it's worked out really, really well. Well, something else it seems like you're doing completely different now is your photography. Uh, what, what, what's changed? I mean, is that you taking the photos the, or yes. is that someone new? Yes. Nope. It's me. Um, I got a nice camera from my parents for my birthday. So, uh, iPhone went away as of the uh, beginning of June last year. Um, and that made a gargantuan difference. And then, um, I got a nice lens for Christmas for my parents again <laughs> this year. Um, and that also made a huge difference. So, um, I know everybody who's a real photographer says that it's not the camera, it's the photographer, but I have to differ greatly on that because getting a better camera <laughs> has massively improved my photos. Not that they're fantastic, but they're definitely way better than they were a year ago. Well, especially for any kind of food blog, like, yeah, once you have, like I say, it's the lens, that's what makes the drastic difference and like separates it from anyone else. Like you, like just if like, so it sounds like you were using your iPhone before. I was using my iPhone until June. Yeah. Yeah. Which at least you have a nice wide angle lens, but you don't, you just, you're not going to get the, the, the beautiful 
food like photographs that everyone kind of expects now. Right. It's true. And photography is so important. I mean, it's drastically changed my presence on Pinterest and all that stuff. So yeah. How, how is Pinterest going for you? It seems like you're doing more on there as well. Pinterest is pretty big for me. I mean, of the social media sites, uh, Pinterest is bigger than Facebook. So that's pretty big for me. It's like my one of my biggest referral sites. So that's good. I mean, it's it's great. It's shocking. I mean, dancing and photography are two things I would have told you I would never, ever be able to do. And now I can take some decent pictures. So I guess it's on to the ballroom next. Besides the photography in your blog, where do you come up with all of these new recipes? I feel like you have so many different ideas for how to use your cultures for different foods or um, even coming up with ideas for uh, classes. Oh, thank you for that. Um, I do spend a pretty good amount of time brainstorming around what I want to do. And I think, I don't know, I mean, you get inspired by the work of other people. You know, there's so many great books out there um, on a wide variety of topics, some that don't have anything to do with fermentation. Um, I also had the opportunity this past year, the past few months, to work with um, High Street on Market, the restaurant I mentioned earlier that has the great bread. Um, They did a series of community collaboration dinners with me. Um, like fermented dinners and being around, I mean, those are people at the top of their game. Like the executive chef just won um, food and wines, best chef of 2014, 12 in the country. Um, So these are people that are like genuinely working at the highest level of culinary preparation. And they're all so passionate and so inspired and so thoughtful and um, just being around them and eating their food. Those are things that really inspire me to try to be a little bit better at what I'm doing and try to be a little more creative and think sideways about some things. Well, I'm always interested in that too, when, um, uh, when the culinary aspects really focused on. And so you have these chefs that are working with the fermentation. And by the way, those, I, I remember seeing, uh, I think a snapshot you took of, of one of those menus and it sounded delicious just looking at the, at the menu of it. And are they approaching fermentation as a new thing? Or are they already uh, really familiar with it and just starting to incorporate it more? Um, The chef in question, whose name is Eli Culp, he actually has been doing um, lots of different fermented foods for a really long time. Um, And the point of these dinners for him was to kind of introduce his staff to maybe things that they weren't quite as familiar with. Um, so the baker, for instance, is like a fantastic fermenter. He's been a home brewer forever and actually knew him. He read my blog before he, when he was living in Manhattan and working at Sullivan street, he, um, he knew my blog and we communicated by email. Um, so he's like a great fermenter and a lot of them have fermentation experience, but I think the point was to like bring in an outside perspective, not necessarily somebody who has, you know, a culinary background, which I definitely don't, but who has like a specific area of interest that they can kind of drill down with. Um, and that's what those kind of ended up being. We, you know, when you sit in a room with a bunch of geniuses and talk about the one thing you know about, they end up coming up with some pretty amazing things. So that's kind of how that worked. That's awesome. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, and, and it, I'm assuming was delicious as it looked. Oh my gosh. I, I am not even kidding. Many people who I don't even know said to me about several of, we had three dinners, like several different things. That's the best meal I've ever eaten in my entire life. Um, they were, I, I don't even know how to explain it. We actually are probably going to do another series, which makes me very excited. Um, but they were genuinely just 
amazing meals, really, really, truly extraordinary food. See, it's beneficial at times like this for podcasts like this and blogs like yours that fermentation is trendy and uh, becoming more mainstream. But it's like, I think things like that show that it's not a fad. It's not something that's just passing. It's just that people aren't as familiar with it necessarily. And now they are becoming and they're seeing how delicious it is, which is that that sounds like a great way to do it. I totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned like earlier about, uh, you mentioned rules, um, in that, is that in the way that you run your blog or rules in how you ferment? Have you, have you structured things in a way that you're able to, uh, produce as much as you do now? I'm a little bit more structured both in my fermentation practice and in my blog or like my blogging practice. Um, I have like a calendar that I loosely keep to. I try to plan a couple months in advance which posts are going to be up. I used to just be like, what am I doing this week? Um, And whatever I happen to have in the fridge that tasted good, I would use that recipe. But now, you know, I really, I think I take a little bit more of a thoughtful long-term approach to it because it just got too busy. You know, there's just a lot going on. And if I waited to the last minute, like I had actually a little bit of a lull during the site redesign. I was only posting once a week and I even missed a couple weeks because it was just like overwhelming. Um, and that's when I was like, I gotta, gotta be a little more on top of this. Otherwise it's never going to happen. So, um, so that changed. And then also my fermentation practice, I just think I know more, you know, like, um, I understand the way things work a little bit better. I understand the way I work in the kitchen a little bit better. So, um, and also I feel a very strong desire now that, you know, there's a decent number of people reading my blog to be very, very accurate in the way that I present things to them. I never want somebody to come back and say, I tried it exactly the way you wrote it and it didn't work. Um, luckily that has not happened, but, um, that's always something that motivates me to be very careful in my record keeping. So then that kind of leads into something else that, uh, that I, I seem to have heard about that you're also in the process of writing a book. Is that correct? Yes, you heard it here first. Um, I've not even made the announcement on my blog yet. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm writing a book actually specifically about vegetable fermentation. Um, I'm really excited about it. I, uh, I was kind of not shopping ideas, but kind of waiting for somebody to come to me with the right proposal. Um, And when I had the, you know, got the email, about writing a vegetable fermentation book, I thought, yes, that is something I want to write. Um, I think that there's total space for that in the cookbook arena. I think that it's something I can do really well. It's something I'm knowledgeable about and um, something that it would be really, really fun to do the recipe testing for. So that's what I'm working on right now. So is that requiring even more uh, rules and, uh, and changing things? Like what's different now that you're focused on this? This is like, this is a little bit different than how I would normally do it. Yeah. I, you know, there's, um, more weighing of things. (laughs) Um, normally I, you know, I'm, I'm somewhat strict, but I'm happy to use volume measurements and kind of tell people I used coarse sea salt, but now it's like everything is measured in grams. Um, and I'm, you know, being very, very careful. And I'm also doing, you know, maybe 10 variations at the same time with, you know, a small tweak in each one and labeling them ABCDEFG, you know, that kind of thing. So this is a much more scientific process than I'm generally used to doing, but it's kind of fun. I like to change things up a little bit. So I'm not complaining at all. Well, congratulations on on the book deal. And that's going to be exciting to see. So when is it going to come out? Um, it will be fall of 2015. It's coming up pretty soon. Only another year. Yeah, one year. <laughs> 
That's a, that's going to be a lot of work, but it sounds really awesome. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thanks. I'm very excited about it. So then um, I, do you, are you going to continue focusing on vegetables on the blog more so now, since that's going to be a lot of your focus with the book or what other directions do you plan to go? What other kinds of ferments haven't you done that you plan to cover sometime soon? Yeah, the funny thing is, because the book is purely vegetable fermentation, I'm basically writing very little about from uh, vegetable fermentation on the blog, because the recipes are going to the book. Um, and I can't publish them all on the blog before the book is published. Sure, sure. Um, so I'm doing, um, I've been working on a lot of longer term ferments for a while now. Um, the book, um, Asian Pickles by Karen Solomon. I don't know if you guys have seen that one. Yes, yeah. Um, yes. It's not a purely fermentation book, but there are a lot of fermentation techniques that were new to me when it was first published last year. And um, it's like influenced me a lot in kind of wanting to go in, you know, kind of a longer term direction and try some of these things that are a little bit funkier, that are a little less um, common practice to me. And also try to get better at some of the other long ferments. Like I've had a couple misos that turned out weird. Um, <laughs> and I want, you know, those are the kinds of things that I want to do and the things that take incubation um, that I normally kind of don't feel like doing because I'm a lazy fermenter and I like to do the things that don't require me to create special conditions. Um, so I'm spending more time doing those things. And what I'm finding when I do them is I enjoy them just as much as any other fermentation process. And it's just a matter of making yourself try it a couple times and then you end up getting better at it. Surprise, surprise. I will second the whole incubation thing being great for lazy fermenters because it's really not any more difficult. It's just the actual initial step of doing it. But I like, I'm always trying to talk people into like doing incubations, doing koji, doing tempeh, all those different kinds of things because they're, uh, they're super simple, relatively so. Uh, it's just that that hurdle of getting over like, oh, it's it's a different way that I can kind of be lazy, but. Right. You can still be lazy. Right, right. Although I don't have any, I don't like, I actually was just flipping through your book, Brandon, and um, looking at the, uh, using the aquarium heater. And I was like, yeah, I got to get me one of those because I'm totally the person who's got the wooden spoon in the um, door of the oven and I'm checking it. And when I make koji, you know, I'm getting up every two hours to make sure that the temperature is right. Um, so that part I don't enjoy quite as much. Um, so it looks like it might be time for a little investment in some actual equipment. Yeah. That, okay. I guess that is the, having a little technology involved in the process can definitely make it lazy, but yes, it totally. can be difficult. So totally. are you liking, because that you mentioned miso and the last time you were on the show, you talked about, you were in the process of making your first miso and you were about six months in and you were going to wait a full year. Yes. Is that one that didn't quite turn out like you wanted no, it to? No, that turned out great. That was amazing. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really good. And actually, I just I just actually gave some miso to Sander Katz, um, which was very exciting for me. Um, but I took it to him because it was weird. Um, and I wanted his opinion on what had gone wrong with it. Um, and I think what I did was I just made it in the summer. So instead of making it, every other miso that I've made has been in a cooler month. And this I made in early June. Um, so it was tasting like wine. It was a little bit sake-ish. Um, very delicious. Definitely still eating it because we have two gallons of it. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but I definitely learned my lesson on that one. I thought I was going to tell w William Shirtleff, like, who needs your make it only in the <laughs> fall and spring? But he schooled me. So I've learned my lesson. 
well, what was this? Uh, so you, so you were just recently presenting miso to Sander Katz. So, uh, was that a, that was a workshop, right? Yes. Um, my husband, Jake, got me a two-day Sander Katz workshop ticket for my birthday this year. Um, so we just actually got back from Vermont on Saturday. Um, we went up to Shelburne Farms, which is an amazing place if you ever have the chance to get up there. Um, and we had the chance to go to the Vermont Cheesemakers Festival. And then we had I had basically three days of Sander Katz. I went to his talk on Monday night and then two days of workshop um, and that was pretty cool for me because he's kind of my hero and I got to meet him like, and actually not be afraid to talk to him. Well, I was totally afraid to talk to him, but I did talk to him nonetheless. So it was very cool. So is this the first time you've met him? Um, I don't know how you define. Okay. First time you've talked with him. I have, he stood right next to me for a very long time. The last time he was in Philly and I was too afraid to say anything to him except for like smile and, um, (laughs) and look at him a lot. So technically, I guess we have, uh, no, we, this was the first time we'd met if we're going to be honest about it. Yes. And that's the, that's the funny thing about him too. Like, I mean, it's because like talking with him, it's, he's a really, you know, laid back, nice guy. Um, and so it's, it's kind of weird, but I had that same exact thing. I'd actually talked to him previously at a small workshop many years ago. And then I, like, since I had started the podcast or whatnot, it was like somehow different. And I was like, oh, now I'm not worthy to talk to him. Like now, now I'm like talking like about fermentation. Like I, I, I'm not trying to be him, but like, I'm talking about the same kind of stuff he talks about. So, and then I didn't end up talking to him. I just got in circle. So, well, it took me two days. If that makes you feel any better. I saw him, I saw him two t- times on two different days. One day I was with him from 9am till 5pm and I still didn't talk to him. Um, and then the third day I was like, this is absolutely ridiculous. Get control of yourself. <laughs> like he's a very nice man. And not only is he a very nice man, but he's a man who's very excited about other people who are spreading the fermentation word. So there was absolutely no reason for me to avoid talking to him. Um, and he was great. Um, well, I there's something about card. talking. Yeah, there's something about talking to someone that you see as a celebrity, and you know he's so widely known in the fermentation world. I mean, I think anyone would be a little nervous. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it was weird though. Like other people weren't like like Tara or Tara fermentation on wheels. Tara, um, when she was here in Philly, I did a little thing for her at a fundraiser. And we were talking about it and she was just very like nonchalant, like, yeah, we hung out together and he was great and he was really nice. And I was like, wow, you're so cool and calm. <laughs> like, how, how are you just saying this with a straight face? Like, oh, I just drove around with Sandra Katz. Um, but I do think, I don't know, for me, like I'm bad with celebrities anyway, famously. And like, he's my number one biggest celebrity. So it's okay that I was a little nervous, but I overcame it and talked to him. And that's the most important thing for me as far as I'm concerned. And you have your beaming photo to prove it. I do. Yes. That one's going on the wall, even though it was taken in a dark room with an iPhone. (laughs) Hey, it still counts. No, it's a great picture. Oh, thanks. And that makes me think though, too, because like I saw that image of the two of you and then there's uh, Tara's fermentation on a wheel shirt there. And it just gets me thinking that like, it is, is it just me since I've been in the space longer now or that we've both been in the space longer now that we see more interconnection between all of these people that are uh, out there spreading the word of fermentation. It seems like people are becoming, it's becoming more networked, not just on the local level, but on the national and in potentially the international level. Do you see that at all? Or am I just kind of like making that up? 
No, I totally agree with that. Um, I, I, I might be in the same headspace that you are. So maybe we're both just crazy, but I do definitely think that that's true. I, um, I, I mean, I feel even like within our little community, like there's other fermentation bloggers that are popping up around, you know, the way now so we can have a connection with them. Um, and I, I definitely do see that happening. I also think um, more people just know about fermentation and I think more people are excited about fermentation or at least they're hearing about it in an article and, and NPR or, you know, in the New York Times every so often enough that it's kind of entering the collective consciousness um, so yeah, I definitely see, see fermentation spreading and I see a lot more connectedness between the people who are trying to do the spreading. So then where do you see the future of it? Like where do like, what's the next level of fermentation? Like where are things going to go? Can you, can, can, are you a, a future seer like that? Yeah. I mean, I have a couple different divergent thoughts on that. One, I think the science is going to get really, really interesting. I think the more kind of a spotlight is shed on things, the more maybe research dollars get out there. Not that there's not already a ton of work going on and a ton of work done. Um, but I do think we're going to be discovering more interesting things about fermented foods, um, hopefully for the better, but probably we're going to, you know, hear a couple things that are a little bit, you know, not that this is the pristine, perfect food for everybody to eat for all their health concerns. Um, so I think that will be a really interesting new chapter to hear if science has some more specific things to say about what these foods do for our bodies. Um, and I and I think that's going to be awesome. And I'm very excited for that to happen. And I also think more people are going to start incorporating these foods into their diets. And I think the more we talk about these things, the less people are going to have that insane bacteria fear. And, you know, I know these things take a really long time to kind of enter into everybody's awareness. Um, I don't think everybody's going to give up their antibacterial soap tomorrow, but I do think that fermented foods have a role to play in those changes. And I'm pretty excited about that as well. I think that those sound like great predictions and I will be excited to have you on in another year or five years and see <laughs> what this is. Yes. If, how these things have, have evolved. Um, and I guess I, I kind of been leaning more towards this kind of question for people that are on that have specific um, skill sets. So you've been doing this blog now for about two and a half years. Um, if there are any baby bloggers out there that are doing something with food or fermentation, like, I mean, maybe they're your competition, so maybe you don't want to say, but otherwise, like, <laughs> what would you say to them? Like people that are just maybe starting, like you were uh, in January of 2012, like what suggestions would you give to them? Oh, man, there are so many things that I would say. But I, this is the one problem I have with that a little bit is I when I started out, I have really good friends who are really, really well known, very successful food bloggers. Um, and they were very generous with their knowledge, with their linking to me, even when my you know stuff was not very pretty to link to. Um, and and they gave me tons of tips. But I think to some degree, you just have to kind of do it. Um, so I guess if I had one piece of advice, that would be it. Like, don't be afraid that your stuff isn't good enough. Don't be afraid your photos are too ugly. Don't be afraid you have the wrong URL. Just start doing it and people will start coming to it. And you're going to improve your skills as you go along, just like with anything else. And the longer you wait to do it, the longer it's going to take for your skills to improve. So you might as well just hop on it and start going. Um, but it also helps to have a niche. Um I don't think if I just randomly started a food blog in January of 2012 that was about any kind of food that, you know, things would have happened for me quite the way that they've happened. Not that I'm like some, you know, <laughs> great success, but I think, um, you know, I've had a modicum of success with Fickle. 
And I think it's due to my subject matter. So if you find something you're really passionate about that you really love to talk about and write about and eat and photograph um, that's specific, I think you have a better chance of kind of cutting through the other, I don't know how many food blogs were started last year. I think it was like 150 million and I'm not actually exaggerating that number. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's like a crazy number of food bloggers. Yeah. That is, that's, that's, or the other answer is start a podcast. There are at least a, are fewer of those. <laughs> I <laughs> might have made that number up. I do have a precedent for exaggerating, but it's some, it's, it's a number uh, that made me go, oh my God, are you kidding me? What am I doing? Why am I doing this? Um, yeah. And here you are having lasted in your, putting out great work and it's awesome. Oh, thank you. Thanks very um, much. And if people haven't already had enough reason to be going to visit your site, already, which they should, but also you're doing a giveaway on the 11th, correct? Yes. I am very excited about this. I actually just got the everyday fermentation handbook from the creator of firm up in my uh, mailing box today or mailbox as some say. Um, I am very, very excited about this. Um, I think it's going to be fantastic. So yeah, the giveaway will be, we'll start on August 11th. It will go for a week and I will be tweeting and Facebooking and Pinteresting and Instagramming and all of that stuff to remind people to come on back for it. Well, awesome. And thanks for doing that. And thanks for your support with the book too. So that's, that's awesome. And so if people are going to come go to your website and all of those different social media ways that, that you just listed off, where should people go to find you? Pinterest, I'm just fickle. Instagram and Twitter, I'm fickle foods. Facebook, I'm fickle PHL. So that's where you can find me on all that. I'm also linked to all of those right at the top of my website. So if you're trying to find those, you can go to the website fickle.com with a PH and um, all those things will be there. And and fickle with the PH. Do you get any people asking about that? Like, does everyone get it? Because I know I asked you this last time, but now that it's been a year later, you're you're much more popular. Do people wonder where that comes from? Um, I, people do ask me about it, but I have to say that I was surprised to hear what I said to you last year, which says something horrible about my memory, I'm sure. But the um, the same thing has been true. Really, I get a very positive response to it. It makes me really happy whenever people say like, oh, I love that URL. That's such a great name. Um, and I did camp out for a long time. Somebody in San Francisco Owned it, and I kept waiting for his thing to expire <laughs> so that I could buy the URL. Um, so yeah, so the name, um, as I said in the last podcast, is because of pickling, and because I am fickle, and because I live in Philly. So all those things go together to make fickle with a ph. And it's a great website. It's easy to remember, and uh, even people listening to an audio podcast, it's like, oh yeah, I can remember that by the time I get home from my drive. I can enter that. So that's that's great. Uh, and great word. Like, what do you have any parting thoughts for anything fermentation related? Well, one thing I just want to say is congratulations to you on your gorgeous book. Um, I'm so excited for you. It's really great. I love the recipes. There's a lot of crazy, wacky stuff in there that's right up my alley. Um, and you totally went like uh, way beyond my dairy knowledge. So I'm super excited to dig in there. Well, thank um, you. It's great. No, for real. Congratulations. I'm super excited to do the giveaway and I'm very excited to have my own copy. Yes. I, I hope you enjoy that. I, I, at least try something in there and let me know what, like how it, how it turns out. Like, let me know what you think, like whatever's new for you. For sure. I will definitely do that. I'm very excited about it. Well, thanks again for being on the show. Thanks for having me again. It was great to meet you, Allison, and good yeah. to talk to you again, Brandon. Yeah. So find all of these show notes at firmup.com slash podcast slash 76. And then again, you can connect with us on Twitter at FirmUp, on Facebook at FirmUp, and everywhere else at FirmUp. And until next time, FirmUp!